This is the Commission Church Online. Welcome to our podcast. We want to be a church who brings heaven on earth through the word of God and the love of Christ. I pray this week's message blesses you. Morning. Wow, what a powerful time of worship. Thank you, worship team, for stewarding today, stewarding this moment. Um, man. Let me get it situated here. I'm not Pastor Oshis, um, so he uh, he he called he called me or gave me a call yesterday and uh, asked if I would be able to speak, um, so he wouldn't be able to make it today. Um, but I am honored to be up um, to in front of all you lovely people. Um, I have a message today, as you already know, it's shipwrecked. Um, but I man, just in the middle of worship today, there's just such a powerful anointing in this room right now and I don't want to I don't want to disregard it and I don't want to just simply let it fly by um I believe there's a miracle waiting for many of you in here that the Lord has for you um so if we could all just before we continue if we could all just sit in a moment of just listening for the Lord I would like for us to sit and and um be intentional about what the Lord has to say this morning. I don't think this is a, 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 any normal Sunday. Um, and I know every time I come up um, and speak, I'm always talking about getting out of a routine of church. I think you we all hear me say that at least once. Um, but it's true. Man, when we come together in the presence of God, God is a God of newness. God is a God that does something new and is always giving gifts so when we come together and we, and we uh, are in that presence, man, how can we leave the same? How can we leave the same that we came into God's presence and walked out the same way? It doesn't happen. That doesn't happen. Moses, when he, when, when he went up on the mountain, he went up one way and he left. He, he came back down another and people were scared of him. He had to put a veil over his head because his head was, his face was glowing with, with the glory of the Lord. Man, may we be a people that when we get together and when we seek the face of God, that we wouldn't look the same. When we go back to our homes, when we go back to our jobs, when we go back into that lifestyle, when we go back into, into, into a routine of day that maybe you even dread. How different would your life look if you sought the Lord so much during the week and when we all came together in church, we're so united in this, man, we have all been seeking the face of the Lord. Let's seek him together. How different would this city look? How different would this people look? How different would would our church look? God, may we never be so caught up in coming in and coming out that we miss you. See, there's a story, and this isn't even part of my message. There's a story. Um, there's a story in, in, in the word where Jesus is walking through a crowd of people. And, and he's, he's, he's it, it'd be as if everyone here in this room got together in this one, like in this one big section, pretend there's no chairs, and someone had to siffle through every single person. You're going to be bumping into people. It's like going to the, to the state fair. And then he says these words. He says, somebody's touched me. Everybody's touching him. 
And, he said, and, and, and that's what this, exactly what the disciples say. Like, they, 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 say, they say, Jesus, everybody's here. Don't you, don't, like, don't you know where you're at? Everybody's touching you. But there was one woman who went through the crowd, pressed in, and she touched the, 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 the hem of his robe, and he said, somebody touched me. Let me help you out. This means that you can be in a room with Jesus and never touch him. You can be around him. You can be around like-minded people of the faith, and you can never touch him. And he said, somebody touched me. May we not come to church and miss him and not get a chance to touch. This is what pressing in looks like. This is what worship looks like when we press in. God, we will not stop until we touch the hem of your robe. I know we're starting on a, on a serious note, but man, that is something so important. Before we, before we get into the word, God, may we learn to press through the crowd. You see, that was a touch of faith and power, power moved from Jesus into, he said, I felt power come out of me. You see, in those times, Kings would have uh, long trails of, uh, of their robe and attached to that specific corner every time the king, a king would, would uh, defeat another king, they would cut off that part of the robe and they would sew it on to, to his own robe and it would leave a trail of every single victory that that king, that, 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 that king had, had uh, won. And that's exactly the part that that woman touched, is the part that represented every victory, the part that represented every defeat of the enemy. And she touched that and he said, power came out of me. So when we press in, well, I don't know what you're pressing in for today, whether it's in worship or word or in, in just any part of today or throughout your week, can we press in and touch the, touch the part of his robe, touch the robe where it says that he defeated death that he defeated sickness, that he defeated anxiety, that he defeated depression, that he defeated a broken home, that he defeated a broken marriage, a broken relationship, that he defeated hopelessness, that he defeated everything that has come against you, he's defeated it. Can we press in this morning and touch the hem of his robe? Can we do that, church? You can be in a room with him and never touch him. Father God, we repent this morning, God, not in a sense to, uh, not motivated by feeling guilty, motivated by a burning conviction and burden to feel you, God, to, to touch your presence, Lord, to get something new from you, Lord. And if you did nothing else for us for the rest of our life, God, you're still worthy and you're still good. Can we just see you? Can we just sit in your presence? Whether we feel like, whether we feel like worshiping or not. Let our praise, let our pressing in not, not be dictated by how we feel 
may not be dictated by how tired we are of whatever it is that we're going through. I believe there's some people in here you're, you're dealing with, there's, there's, there's a struggle in your marriage right now. Some of you are, are you're struggling in your mind. Can you press in? Can you press in? Some of you are dealing with a, with a, with a broken heart. Can you press in? Not that we're ignoring those things, not that we're, not that we're, we're just disregarding it, but can you press in? Man, I feel the presence of the Lord so heavy in this room. I believe he's touching hearts. I believe he's softening, softening minds. Lord, would you begin to speak, not my words, but your words? Would you begin to speak? Would you begin to minister and do what only you can do? And can you heal those parts of the heart that I, that I can't reach, that no one else can reach, but only you can reach? And when the hope of glory fill this room, in Jesus' name, you said amen, amen. If you would, turn with me to Acts 23. Sorry, we're going to jump. We're going to read a lot of word today. In our Spanish culture, we say, a su nombre, Gloria. Yeah. <laughs> Which translates to, the, uh, and to his name, and everyone else shouts, Glory. Glory, glory, glory. Acts 23, and I want, this is just to give a little bit of context of what we're going to go into today. And if you've heard of the, the shipwrecked story of Paul, um, I want you to, to be open to, to something new today. If it's something that you've already heard a lot, um, familiarity is always going to be the barricade to revelation. And if you've become so familiar with something, you've, to be, you've stopped being a student to it. Um, so please always continue to be a student to the word. Um, no matter who's preaching it, be a student to the word. Um, submit your, your, your idea that you know it because uh, you'll never stop learning from the word. So as an encouragement to anyone who's heard this story, um, be a student for, for this morning. Um, <clears throat> so at this point, Paul has, uh, as we know, Paul, he's already, he's already met Jesus. He's already had his Damascus encounter, and he is imprisoned now. Um, he was in a temple, and he's arrested, and everyone, uh, many, many Jews in the area are, are coming against him, and he's been in chains, and he's, he's, he's been in front of councils and kings, and they're wondering, can I, is this, is all the things that he's doing, preaching the gospel, and, and you know, starting a mess everywhere and and challenging everyone's thinking is this something punishable by death and so that's what that's what he's 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 going through at this moment um and he's he's been in chains and <clears throat> excuse me and at this point when we're in we're in 23 if you would go down with me verse 11 says the following night the lord stood by him and said take courage for as you testify to the facts about me in Jerusalem, so you must testify also in Rome. Would you repeat after me? God is on my side. Would you say that? 
God is on my side. He's in prison and he gets a word from the Lord. In his chains, he gets a word from the Lord. And, and, and just before we go any further, I mean, I believe that's one of the first things you should do whenever you enter into a, into a situation, you enter into circumstances where, where you are in, in, in bondage. We should always be searching for, no matter what season it is, seek a word from the Lord. Seek a word from the Lord. In your prayer closet, in the word of God, seek his face, seek his counsel, seek a word. Even if it's just one word, seek a word from the Lord. And so Paul gets this word from, from, uh, from the Lord. And shortly after you see this word, the Bible talks about how there was about uh, 40, 40 plus, more than 40 Jewish men who were plotting and had a, had a plot to, to ambush Paul and to kill him. As if it's already hasn't been. And so right now things are not going great for Paul. He has people plotting against him. He's being he's in prison and he's being he's held in these trials where they're at, they're trying to figure out if they should kill him too. And so he's stuck between a rock and a hard place. And all he has is the Lord, and he seeks a word from the Lord. And the Lord the, it actually says the following night the Lord stood by him. So as as if like the Lord came to him and to take courage. For as you have testified to the facts about me in Jerusalem, so you must also in Rome. So Caesar, he's, he, he, he's, his mission now, his assignment now is Caesar. Can he testify these things that he did in Jerusalem to Caesar, to his council, to, the, to, to Caesar's men? And as you read, as you read uh, on more as, as they... They were this close. He was basically this close to being free from that. They, they've, if, uh, if, if you want me to spoil it for you, they didn't find a reason for him to be killed for the things that he did. And they were, they were, they, they would have let him go. But he, what he does is this: is Paul appeals to Caesar and he says, "I will, go, I'll go to Caesar and I will, I'll, I will, I would like to have my trial there." Basically, is 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 it's what's going on. And so Paul, in his imprisonment, is sent to his destination. Through his imprisonment, he is on his way to exactly where his assignment is. And if we can pause just right there, if you don't hear anything else, it's that no matter what it is, whatever imprisonment that you get, whatever, no matter how many chains are, 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 are holding you down, God can turn that for good and that might just be exactly the thing you need to get to your destiny it might just be the exactly the same thing that that, that you need that god is going to take you into a breakthrough into it to complete his assignment he'll turn what the enemy used for evil and he'll turn it for good if we can learn anything from that it's and it's it's we, we haven't even we haven't even scratched the surface of what we're talking about here sent to caesar through his imprisonment Otherwise, there would, there would like you know like that was a, a clear way that he had to Caesar. But we're not gonna we're not gonna stop there. We're not gonna pause there. If you would turn a few pages with me, we're going to Acts twenty seven. And so now, just that that was just a quick context. And so Paul is now on his way to Rome, and he 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 um on boards this ship. Um, and he's a he's a prisoner on this ship, but it is his ticket to 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 Rome. And we're gonna jump down to verse thirteen, and we're gonna do quite a bit of reading. Um, 
Sorry, we're actually starting at verse 9. Sorry. Uh, it says right here, So since much time had passed and the voyage was now dangerous because even the fast was already over, Paul advises them, saying, Sirs, I perceive that the voyage will be with injury and much loss, not only for the cargo and the ship, but also of our lives. And up until this point, the, the, the trip is not going well. They've had a lot of, they have had a lot of wind. They've had a lot of uh, setbacks. And the trip is just not going well. And he says, I perceive the voyage will be with injury, and we're all probably going to not make it. And then we go down to they, 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 the, the centurion paid more attention to the pilot and to the owner of the ship and then to what Paul said. And because the harbor was not suitable to spend the winter in, the majority decided to put out to sea from there on the chance that somehow they could reach Phoenix, a harbor of Crete, facing both southwest and, and northwest and spend the winter there. Then we get to verse 13. Now when the south wind blew gently, supposing that they had obtained their purpose, they weighed anchor and sailed along Crete close to the shore. But as soon as the tempestuous wind called the northeaster struck down from the land, when the ship was caught and could not face the wind, we gave way to it and were driven along. Running under the lee of a small island called Sada, we managed with difficulty to secure the ship's boat. And this is Luke writing. After hoisting it up, they used supports to undergird the ship. Then fearing that they would run aground on the Sirtis, uh, they lowered the gear, and thus they were driven along. Verse 18 says, since we were violently storm-tossed, they began the next day to jettison the cargo. And the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. Verse 20, when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and no small tempests lay on them, tempests lay on them, all hope of our being saved was at last abandoned. All hope abandoned. Keep in mind, Paul is on this ship and he has a word from the Lord that he's supposed to be in Rome. And all hope is abandoned. He had a word. And all hope is lost. It's disregarded. There's no hope we're not making out of here. We can't see stars. We can't see anything. It's just chaos. This is all. And, and, and what this means is it's all circumstantial hope is lost. And I believe that there's some of you in here where all circumstantial hope has been lost. Or you see it receding away. And it's slowly slipping through your fingers and you feel all hope has been lost. And I don't know what that situation is, but for you to say that there is no hope in your situation, I mean, it, you're saying that there is no Jesus in your situation. There's no Jesus for you in that moment. But as we said, as we said earlier, God is on our side. God is on our side. And he has a word from the Lord. I'm going to, he said, you're, you, you will uh, uh, testify these things in Rome. So as we continue reading, all circumstantial hope is lost. And, here, and here's what happens. Verse 21, keep going with me. Since they had been without food for a long time, Paul stood up among them and said, men, you should have listened to me and not have set sail from Crete and endured this injury and loss. Really, Paul, man, you are really helping right now. Yet now I urge you to take heart for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship for this very night. Here we go again. Stood before me an angel of, 
of the God to whom I belong and whom I worship. And he said, do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand before Caesar. You know, sometimes we do need that reminder from the Lord. Sometimes we do need that. You know, the, the, the Lord knows how things get. That's why G- Jesus came down so that he could know humanity. And so when there's a situation that there's, there's, there's all hope that being lost, have some grace because there is grace for your season. The Lord knows, you need, knows your needs. And in that moment, Paul, he knew that Paul needed that reminder. We don't have to be the, the, the Christian folk that, that got it all figured out, that can do it on their own, and, and we tackle this orphan mentality where we can figure it out ourselves. The Lord knew he needed a reminder. He says, don't be afraid, Paul. You must stand before Caesar, and behold, God has granted you all those who sail with you. So take heart, men, for I have faith in God that it will be exactly as I have been told. Someone say exactly as I have been told. Say, it will be exactly as I've been told. Come on. You see, whenever we have, whenever we, I believe there's some of you in here who have a word from the Lord that you've, that you've had a word from the Lord and it's something like, man, I, 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 I don't know how I can believe it now. And I believe there's promises you've been holding on to. And right now you're in the middle of kind of what Paul's in right now. And it's like, I don't see a way. I don't see a way how this can how this can come to pass. Like God, like have have you failed me? And and perhaps there's been situations in this journey of on the way to this promise, and you feel like God has failed you, and maybe God has in in, in a sense like disappointed you along the way. Can can I say something real bold? Like you haven't really served God until He's disappointed you. It's just, it's just the walk with Christ. Things happen and we have expectations set up. And when those expectations are, are, are not met, it's, it's an instant, God, why, why didn't this happen? Why didn't it happen this way? And what I, I believe what I've learned is God does not break your trust. He breaks your expectation. So were you actually trusting in him or were you trusting in what your expectation of what the situation should have ended up like? Can we, trust, can we trust the Lord? And can we have some confidence? Can we have some faith? And, and, and what, Paul's, what Paul's doing here, it says, I have faith in God that it will be exactly as I have been. So God is on my side. We've already started throwing things overboard because we've tried to put things in our, into, our, into our own hands. And, and, but God is still on my side and we will make it to Rome. And not only that, but he gets a promise from the Lord. He said, no, one, no, no one's lives will be lost, only the ship. See, sometimes when we're in, a, we're in a trial, what we need to do is hold on to a promise from the Lord. He's always speaking. Can we press in? Can we press in and listen for a promise from the Lord? And Paul says, Paul's someone who, who stands up in the midst of it as a prisoner on the ship. And he's speaking to the men that are in charge of the ship, saying, God is taking us to Rome. No one's lives will be lost. You know how ridiculous he, that must have felt for him to say? In the middle of everything. 
people are already throwing cargo overboard, which is like all their like everything that 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 is needed for the ship to keep running. They're throwing it overboard because all hope is lost. And he's saying, "We'll make it, and no one will die. Just the ship." October twenty, uh, October twenty two, nineteen sixty two. We're in the middle of of the Cold War. And this is one of the days that, as described by Robert Kennedy, as the most stressful day for the president, which is John F. Kennedy. John F. Kennedy at the time, uh, he, he calls a blockade on, off the coast of Cuba. And there's a mission from Moscow to have four B-59 uh, B submarines to just have a simple incognito presence off the coast of Cuba. Tensions are very high right now in the middle of the, uh, of the Cuban Missile Crisis. At any moment, anything can break out and we'll be in the middle of World War III. And these B-59 submarines, um, their, 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 their mission is to simply stay there off the, sign, on, on, off the coast on standby, waiting. And their orders were, if you feel threatened, you can fire. You did not need a command from Moscow. They were at the discretion of, the, of a political officer on board and the, the captain of the submarine. What I didn't tell you is that each one of these submarines was equipped and ready to fire a nuclear missile, nuclear torpedo that had about the same amount of detonation power that was dropped on Hiroshima. Each submarine was equipped with that and ready to launch. And Moscow is telling everyone on board, if you feel threatened, you do not need command from me, you can fire this at the United States, at, at the United States uh, military or wherever you can fire it. They did not need permission, they already had permission if you felt threatened. Well, one of these B-59 submarines was actually spotted by the uh, by a U.S. warship, and it begins to to, to to sink down further into the ocean to evade, but it's too late. They've already been spotted. And so what the United States warship does is they begin to do standard procedure, and they begin to drop non-lethal death charges down to the bottom, and they would explode about the size of a, high, uh, size of a hand grenade. It's not meant to kill anybody. It's not meant to damage the ship. It's simply meant to explode as a warning, and to hopefully bring that, that submarine back up where you might get a negotiation or something or they can tell them to leave. But like I said, this is in the middle of the, of the Cold War. It's a glo uh, the Cuban Missile Crisis. No one's trying to negotiate right now. Like we, if anything happens, there's a very high chance that we'll go into nuclear war. And so with this B-59 submarine descends down and the United States begins to deploy death charges and things are exploding. And if you read the journals of the men that were in that ship, uh, one of the intelligence officers on board said that it sounded like you were stuck in a barrel and someone was on the outside slamming it with the sledgehammer constantly. And you're underwater, who knows how, how deep under the ocean if you read other journals, there's men that were talking about men. There was four, there was four, uh, four, four men who passed out again because temperatures are rising up to 120 degrees. 
the carbon dioxide uh, levels are increasing and all our electronical things are failing. Stress is high, and by the time they got to the, to, to, they descended into the depths, they lost communication with the surface world. It's just them. It's just them, and they're hearing all these detonations around them, and they're freaking out. Little does the United States know is that one of these submarines has a nuclear torpedo that they have free at will to launch at any time they want to. And so the captain on board, he says that he believed that, man, and, and, and he wrote this in his journal, and he said, what if, the war, what if the war has already started up there and we're down here doing somersaults? He said, we're going to blast them. And he gives the order to load this nuclear, to some, uh, nuclear torpedo. It's loaded and it's ready to go. And now he needs approval from his political officer. The political officer gives the yes. Now you may be wondering what happened. What I, what, I, what, I didn't, what I failed to mention to you is that on this specific submarine, the only submarine out of the four, instead of two officers that have to go, there's one more officer. The captain of the ship, uh, uh, Captain Savitsky, he's the one who gives the order, but there's someone else on the ship, on, on, this, on the submarine, and he has the authority to veto every command to, to launch a torpedo. It's a man by the name you may not know, but his name is Vasily Arkhipov. He was one of the youngest commanders there. And, he, and instead of giving into the fear of all these charges going around, they think that full-blown war is going out. The captain of the, of, the, of the submarine is freaking out. And when the captain freaks out, everyone freaks out. And they're thinking they're going to die. They're surely going to die. The war has already broken out. And they can potentially start World War III. And one man by the name of Vasily Arkhipov says no. He didn't give in to the weight of the emotional stress. He didn't give in to the weight of it. And we were one man, one vote, one veto away from World War III. Why? Because one man like Paul, one man like Paul stood up in the middle of fear and said no. See, Paul, Paul, in, Paul in, this, in this moment, he says, take heart. I have faith in God that it will be exactly as, as I've been told. He doesn't give in to fear. And I know there's this whole, this, there's, there's this whole thing about fear versus faith. Can I challenge some thinking today? I, I don't feel like that's a fair comparison. Fear over faith, and, we, and we've heard this a lot, but fear is a natural response. It is an emotion. Faith is not an emotion. Faith is not a fear. It's not a, it's not a feeling. Fear is a natural response. So if I can relieve some shame off of anyone for feeling fear in the middle of a place where they should have been feeling faith or should have been having faith, please do not bring shame on yourself. It is okay to feel fear. Now, you may be wondering, okay, Alex, I've heard, I, I've, I've heard that story where Jesus is talking about why, why, why are you so afraid? Do you not have any faith, right? And we draw this, it's, it's a Mark chapter four. Uh, Mark chapter four, verse 30, 40. And the word here, he's not, what Jesus is not saying, if you look in, the, in, the, in, the, in any Bible dictionary, it will say it's not that fear, the word fear that he uses is not phobia. It's not a natural, not the natural response. The word is delia, timid, 
timidity. Why are you intimidated? Do you have no faith? He wasn't, in other words, Jesus was not rebuking the feeling of fear. He was rebuking the intimidation. Why are you intimidated? Do you not know who I am? Wow. See, I've been in situations where fear has been the highest point and it's very hard to grab onto faith. But you see, our, our circumstances have one big weakness and they're temporary. It's that they're temporary. We have an eternal God. So just to alleviate anyone feeling fear in the middle of their situation, let, let yourself feel what you need to feel, but don't let it intimidate you. Know who you belong to. Know who you, Paul says that the God to whom I serve says that we'll make it to Rome. Come on, can we be people like Paul? Can we be people in the middle of situations? I believe some of you are in that, that boat that is like maybe it's in your family and there's a lot of things going on, but we need to be the people that can say, hey, hey, hold on. Let me tell you what God said about this situation. God told me I've been pressing in while there's been so much panic. I'm here to say no because I've been pressing in and God says that all things will work to good, uh, for the good of those who love him. God says that I will be, that, 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 that this promise is going to come to pass and because you've been in the presence of God seeking in on him you can be a beacon of light to a ship that is feeling like their all hope is lost and I don't know what this situation could be it could be you're in your family it could be among your friends group it can be someone else's uh, someone else's family but can we be a people like Paul that in the middle of fear we can have a we can have we can have faith, not fear phobia, fear intimidation. Can we not be intimidated because we know who we belong to? See, fearful prayers don't work. Fearful prayers don't work. There's a quote by uh, Gordon Lindsay, and don't, don't show it up just yet. He's a, he was a, the one who, who, the founder of Christ for the Nations Institute. And, and if you can put up this quote, Says, uh, prayer does not make faith work. On the contrary, faith makes prayer work. Can we be a people in the middle of fear that will hold on to faith? No matter what it is we're feeling, can we, can we rebuke intimidation and hold on to faith? And that's where your prayer is activated. I'm going to have uh, keys you can come up. I don't want to hold you guys too long. So Paul says in verse 25, says, so take heart, men, for I have faith in God that it will be exactly as I've been told. And then he says this, verse 26, but we must run aground on some island. He says, we're going to shipwreck. We, I have this promise in the Lord. We're going to make it. We're not going to have a ship afterwards. We're going to run aground, but we're going to get where we're going to go. And no one's life will be lost. See, the promise is going to pass, but you're going to have some bad days. 
You're going to have some bad moments. You're going to have some, some tough seasons. But the word of the Lord will pass. His promise. I believe that someone here that's holding on to a promise, that promise will pass. That will, promise will come to pass. I believe we've, 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 we've got to this point where we're scared to hope. Why are we so scared to hope? And I know there's, there's situations, I know in my life, where it's made me fearful to hope again. Because of things that, things that, have, things that have happened and it's, and it's hard. It's hard to hope again. As many of you know, this past November, my dad had COVID and he was in the hospital for about uh, five to six months. And there was a lot of prayer going on, a lot of prayer for, on, on my side, on his side, on my mom's side. And after all that hope that was deposited into that room, that hospital room, he, he, did, he did not make it. And it's hard to hope after that. It's hard to, it's hard to, it's hard to look at rough situations and say, I'm gonna hope again. And I believe I'm speaking to people here that need to hope again. And I'll still go into hospital rooms and I'll still pray for the sick. And I know there's, a, there's sometimes this language that goes around and it says, and it says, Oh, you don't want to go and pray for them. You don't want to, you don't want to get their hopes up. If we're not here to get hopes up, what are we here for? What, what are we here for if it's not to get people's hopes up? This is the hope of glory that we serve. Just because, just because your situation didn't end up the way you thought it was, don't rob hope from other people. There's a hope for every situation, for every, every circumstance, for every broken heart, for every broken family, for every financial need. There is hope for you. I'm speaking to someone who needs, who needs some hope today. It will be just as God said. And I still have promises all over my life that I'm believing. And I believe there's some promises over your life that you're believing as well. It will be just as God said, but you're going to run aground. You're going to shipwreck. If you would go with me to Acts 28. I'm going to go ahead and read actually uh, 27 verse 39. And then we'll get to verse 20. It says, now when it was day, they had not re reorganized. They had re not recognized the land, but they noticed a bay with a beach on which they planned if possible to run the ship ashore. Verse 40, so they cast off the anchors and left them in the sea at the same time, loosening the ropes that tied the rudders. Then hoisting the foresails to the wind they made for the beach, but striking a reef, they ran the vessel aground. The, the bow stuck and remained immovable, and the stern was being broken up by the surf. The soldier's plan was to kill the prisoners, lest any should swim away and escape. Verse 43, but the centurion, wishing to save Paul, kept them from carrying out their plan. He ordered those who could swim to, to, to jump overboard first and make for the land and the rest on planks or on pieces of the ship. And so it was that all were brought safely to land. Now we're here at verse 28 and they land at Malta and it says, after we were brought safely through, we then learned that the island was called Malta. The native people showed us unusual kindness for they had kindled a fire and welcomed us all because it had begun to rain and was cold. When Paul had gathered a bunch of sticks, and put them on the fire. A viper came out because of the heat and fastened on his hand. 
When the native people saw the creature hanging from his hand, they said to one another, No doubt this man is a murderer, though he has escaped from the sea. Justice has not allowed him to live. He, however, shook off the creature into the fire and suffered no harm. They were waiting for him to swell up or suddenly fall down dead, but when they had waited a long time and saw no misfortune come to him, they changed their minds and said he was a god. The thing that should have killed Paul after this whole shipwreck, man, he's having a bad day. What we can learn from Paul is how to have a good, bad day. And he shakes off this, the, the one thing that should have killed him. You're protected by your promise. Like someone is here that you're protected by promise because he still had a mission to, to, to accomplish. There was still an assignment on his life. There was still purpose to him. And I don't know, maybe I'm speaking to just one person. Maybe I'm speaking to someone online, but there is still purpose over your life. And I believe that things that were meant to kill you, you're shaking them off. It'll take you into unfamiliar places. Your shipwreck will take you to unfamiliar places. They didn't know what this island was called. They were informed that it was called Malta. The shipwreck will take you to unfamiliar places. And you'll be have no choice but to rely on the Lord. And that's exactly how the Lord wants it. He wants you to rely on him. can't do it on our own we can't handle the shipwreck on our own we can't handle the unfamiliar on our own see god is not is 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 more focused on who you're becoming in the process rather than where you're going because he knows you're going to get there but who are you becoming in the middle of it are you becoming someone that can rely on him who knows how as soon as they enter a, a, a horrible season a tough season they know how i know what to do call him my father who are we becoming I believe there's some of you here there, there's you felt hope receding away because you've run aground because you've shipwrecked and there's there's circumstances here and you've shipwrecked but it will be exactly as God said but you will run aground first. I don't know who that is in here. And if you don't know the rest, the rest of the story, Paul makes it to Rome. And he does stand before Caesar. After being in prison, after being plotted against to kill, to be ambushed, against every storm against being shipwrecked and he had a snake bite him that should have killed him after all that he still stood before caesar the word of the lord still stands the word of the lord still stands in the middle of fear can we be people that say i have confidence that the word of the lord still stands and it will be as he said it would I really feel like someone needs to hear that today. It will be exactly as God said it would. Maybe the journey, the journey was not expected for Paul. He didn't know all those things would happen, but he did know one thing. It will be exactly as God said. I will stand before Caesar. 
There's so many moments Paul could have turned and said, God is untrustworthy. God, why did you let this happen? God, why are we shipwrecked? God, why why are we having to throw our cargo overboard? All this stuff that we, all, all these possessions that we had and we're having to abandon it and now we're abandoning hope. Now I got stung by, uh, I got bit by a snake. God, where are you? He had so many moments. It was easy to abandon, abandon faith in the Lord. It was easy to, to say, God, you're not trustworthy. I can't trust you. And maybe there's some people in this room that you're having a hard time trusting God. Can I, can I tell you, if that's you in this moment, in, in, in this season of your life right now, that is not, God is not going to use that to condemn you. I believe he's using that to draw you in closer. And there's gonna be friction, but the Lord is a patient God. He's a gracious God. He's a merciful God. He's a loving God. There's no shame in whatever struggle it is, but can you press in? Can you press in? And so this morning, I've asked the worship team to minister, but I believe there's some things that we need to press in. Can we touch the hem hem of his robe? Can we touch the hem of his robe this morning? press in no matter can we press through the crowd can we press in through all every distraction through every uh, moment of our situation can we press in can we can we dare to believe that God will do what he said he would can we do that in a moment we'll take communion here I just want the worship team to minister just for a few moments our prayer partners will, will be in the back if you need something. But hey, if you need to come to the front of the altar, I'm, I'm here as well. If you need to come to the front, if you need to get on get on your knees, go into the aisle, in a corner, sit in a corner of a room, can we press in? I'd ask can you, can you press in no matter what this is? Whatever's coming against you, can you press in? Lord, we may not be in a place where we're around you, in a room with you, but we never touch you. Can we have so much faith to press through? And can we dare to hope again? Thank you for listening. We love bringing you the word on so many different platforms. We are so thankful for what God is doing in and through us. We'd love for you to subscribe so you don't miss out. And don't forget to share this message if it has blessed you.